What is up, everybody? It is episode seven of Night Coffee. Solo episode. I'll be real, guys. I am tired. Uh, life has just been like super busy recently. And uh, I mentioned it in uh, episode six with Nick. And I also mentioned it in um, Send News episode one. Uh, I'm training for a strongman competition. And it is beating the dog shit out of me. Like, this is my first competition. So this is the first time I've ever really had a reason to um, really put everything I have into training and worrying about recovery and all sorts of things. Um, so, you know, I'm <clears throat> I'm eating probably like every, every two hours uh, and just... I'm I'm training mostly like the events that I have to do in the competition. Uh, and the hard part about that is almost all of them are extremely taxing on like your upper back, which is fine because to be strong, you, you need to have a solid upper back. But man, I was doing uh, today when I'm recording this, it's the fifth Uh which apparently, according to my calendar, is Constitution Day. Um, I didn't know that, so happy Constitution Day, everybody. Um, but, so the 5th, on Fridays for the training I'm doing, uh, I train stones. But I don't have, the stone I have to lift in the competition is 280 pounds. I don't have a 280 pound stone. So I'm training with sandbags. I have a 300-pound sandbag. I have a 250-pound sandbag. And I was doing the 250-pound sandbag today. Uh, but when I went to go turn it sideways, all the sand was falling out because I'm doing it in, like, old Army duffel bags. And I was kind of hoping I could avoid that since there was more room in the top. But, you know, I did one one load over... I think 54 inches is what I have the bar set at. And I was like, all right, well, I got to tape this up. So I, I tried to use some duct tape to uh, keep the sand in. And I was like, all right, cool. This is going to work. Like I'd used like half a roll of duct tape. And I do one load over the bar and it comes off. Like literally it's it's like a cap just kind of came off the top of the um, duffel bag. So... What I ended up doing is twisting the top and rubber banding it with some resistance bands, but I got to find a different way. And uh, so that took a lot out of me. Just like anytime that there's an interruption in my lifting, I have a hard time getting back in the zone. The only reason I was like really kind of sort of in the zone is because I was excited to uh, load stuff over the bar. I think that's like the number one way to like, get strong and strong man is to uh, pick up like stones or sandbags or anything sort of like weird shaped. It's very condensed. A 300 pound sandbag is nothing like picking up a 300 pound deadlift. It's way heavier. um, I I guess because it's more condensed in one area. Um, 
once I got it rubber banded, I did like three loads with it, which was my goal. I wanted to do that. And then um, my elbows just hurt so damn bad. My triceps were sore. I was tired because I didn't sleep well the night before. Uh, it sounds like a lot of complaining, but like just trying to give a general idea. Like I'm just tired and beat down, but I'm still excited for the competition. I'm I'm very excited. Um, hoping I do well. I'm pretty confident after loading a bag that's uh, 30 pounds under the weight of the stone after load. I loaded that three times. I, I could have gone more, I think. Um, so I'm hoping on competition day I really, um, you know, I'm hoping it gives me an extra extra boost. I think it will. I haven't got a whole lot of opportunity to train strictly strongman. Um, but now that I'm kind of getting more into it, I have a reason. I'm just, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so, send news with uh, Daniel and myself. Episode one was put out on February 3rd. That's going to end up being a bi-weekly podcast. Uh, just because of s- scheduling issues and stuff like that. But... Uh, I think that first episode went really well. Uh, you guys go ahead and give it a listen. Tell me what you think. Um, I'm looking forward to doing more. I think podcasting with a co-host, um, it's, it's, it's just easier, you know, and Daniel and I, we've been friends for shit, almost six years now. Uh, so we know each other pretty well. Uh, we're goofy as fuck together. Uh, but we can also take it to a, a serious level if we have to, which is something I appreciate about our friendship. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to get into Send News as well. Um, I think there's going to be some good stuff coming out of that. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get a whole lot of listens on episode five. Um, so hopefully... I get more listens on this episode because um, I want you guys to give me uh, some feedback on the guests that I've had. Um, Let me know who you want to see back on the show. Uh, Let me know if you have any ideas for any guests. Uh, I have a few more lined up that I'm looking forward to getting to. Uh, Just have to schedule those, and those will be coming in the next couple weeks uh, oh man <clears throat> so my wife and I uh, on a on a Saturday morning when both of us were home uh, we sat down and it's nice on on Saturday mornings when the whole family's there throw something on the TV and just, you know, have a kind of a relaxing morning versus what our usual hecticness is. Uh, and we decided on this Disney Plus documentary. It's like a, yeah, it was like a, like a, not a, it was like a dramatized reenactment slash documentary about that flight that went down in the Hudson River. Um, 
shit. When was it, like 2010? You know, I have a phone right here. I don't know why I won't just look at it. Hold on. We can Google when did the plane crash into the Hudson? 2009. Okay, January 15, 2009. Man, 2009. That was, was like 14 when that happened. 13? I don't know. Anyway, so we watched a documentary dramatized reenactment of that. And there was this lady on there, man. She, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I hate to talk about like, I, I'm not going to say what I would do in that situation because obviously that was a, a, a horrific situation. Everybody on that plane probably thought they were going to die. You know, the likelihood of having a, a, a such a skilled pilot that had the wherewithal to take over and decide, yeah, I'm going to glide this plane into the Hudson because that's the best chance of survival, and everybody survived. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I can't say exactly how I'd react because I've absolutely never been in a situation like that where I thought I was going to die, but... This lady had her baby, and whenever the birds hit the engine, um, and this is real, she handed her baby to the man in the seat next to her because she decided that the baby would be safer with that man. And I was kind of floored by that because if there's one thing that's always going to be true is that no one, maybe in that in that situation, no one's going to better protect my kids than me or my wife. You know, you know your kid best. You know what your kid needs for comfort, you know. Uh, and she just handed the damn baby over, man. And that kind of messed me up. Like that whole, the whole thing for some reason, like the, the way they redid it, like it was a very emotional reenactment and they did a very good job of like kind of striking home how serious the situation was. Um, but I don't know, <clears throat> I can't get over, I can't get over the, um, the handing over of the baby. Um, and you know, I'm not even making a joke. The way that, so the woman was sitting up on the plane, uh, further up than her husband. She was sitting with the baby baby, and their husband is with their four-year-old daughter. And they didn't have that couple together um, on camera at the same time. like Because they would have the people tell the story, and then they'd show a dramatized reenactment of it. I'm pretty sure that couple got divorced after that plane crashed because like this lady was like passing out with the baby in her arms and, you know, just handing her baby to like so many different people. And I'm like, dude, this plane just fucking crashed in the Hudson and you can't hold it together enough for your kid. 
And I'm I'm being dead serious. I'm I'm pretty sure those people got divorced afterwards. It was like in the air of the of the movie. I'll tell you something else I'm not doing right now. Uh, I decided that for seven weeks, which was the amount of time, is it is the amount of time. I think I have like uh, five weeks of training left. Hold on. Consulting the trusty calendar. So today is Friday. So let's let's pretend it's Saturday. One, two, three. Four, five, yep. So I got five, I have, okay, six, six more weeks. Damn, really, six? No way, bullshit. Four, five, six, huh. Well, okay, so six, I have, I have five weeks of training left, but I have six weeks until the competition. Um, I decided for the whole, the whole time, that I am not going to drink. And if there's one thing I've consistently talked about almost every episode is whiskey. I I love whiskey. I love the art form of whiskey. I love the way it tastes. I love I don't know, everything about it. Like it is a very artful and you know specifically bourbon I think is the most well-crafted whiskey derivative that you can get uh i decided to not drink for that whole training period and uh <laughs> man, i'm uh it's difficult you know um not in a sense where it's like i have to have it i have to have it it's it's kind of like uh i'm a very uh I guess you could say, like, I do have, like, an addictive personality. Like, if I get into something, then I, like, really, really get into it. And that doesn't just apply to, like, substance, you know. Like, I used to I used to smoke cigarettes and I used to dip, but I quit both of those things. Um, but if I get into something on a, on a level where I want to know everything about that thing, then it's I, – I create a habit for myself, like, very easily. Uh, it's the same thing with, like, food where every morning on the way to work, I have to eat an apple. If I don't eat an apple on the way to work, I feel weird. You know, uh, when I got into lifting, uh, I was, you know, I was pretty dedicated, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I got more into like strongman and powerlifting. And I decided like, oh, that's what I want to do. That's like all I talked about for like a year. My wife got so tired of it. So now it's sort of the same thing with, with bourbon where I'm trying to start up like a collection of, of different bourbons, you know, that I can pick up at any given time. And, you know, if I have a guest over, I can say like, Hey, check out this, you know, this is how this is made. And, or, or I prefer this or, you know, whatever. Uh, and I've watched like, I've oh I've only watched one documentary on it, but I also joined a group on Facebook called Bourbon Nation, and now everywhere like if I'm on Facebook, I'm gonna see a post from there, and it's almost like, you know, 
taunting me and heads, you know, props to my wife, man, because last weekend when I, um, right before I was going to have Nick on, uh, right before I started up that conversation, I looked at my wife, I was like, Oh babe, I think, I think I'm going to have a drink. And like, I'm going to have just a small drink. And she looked at me, she was like, don't do that. I was like, why? She's like, cause you told yourself you wouldn't. I'm like, fuck, you're right. You're right. And I had just got done telling one of my buddies, um, who's also not drinking at the moment. He was like, man, I don't know, man. I might take a shot this weekend, you know, just relax myself. And I was like, no, don't do that. I'm not doing that. You know, you shouldn't do that. Both of us have set these goals. And I, I went to him on Monday and I was like, dude, I'd be real, man. I almost, I almost drank this weekend. He was like, yeah, I almost did too. And I feel like he had more of a reason to than I did, which, you know, mine was just boredom. Uh, and uh, he said that he didn't. I also didn't. And, uh, you know, it's so, it's easy during the week <clears throat> to not imbibe uh, because you there's always something going on. It's always... Uh, got a lift, then I got to, you know, get dinner around, you know, whether I'm cooking dinner or my wife's cooking dinner, the kids still have to be taken care of. There's a whole process during the week and you got to make sure you get good sleep, you know, cause you got to wake up early, go to work. Um, <clears throat> but on the weekend you don't have as much to do and you sit around and you're bored and, uh, that's when like that's when that temptation kicks in, you know, and I'm sure plenty of other people deal with this. Uh, stay strong because it's, it's a really good feeling when that temptation hits really, really hard and you have the power to say no to yourself because you like right now, you know, I'm chilling at the house by myself and I could very well, very easily pour myself a drink and tell absolutely nobody about it. But then I'm lying to anyone who I told my goal to. I'm lying to myself, even if I don't really like even like I know I had the drink but because I'm holding onto that line that transfers into myself and it really like hammers down on your, you know, your own self-worth, you know, and it might, it might sound, might sound small. That might not be serious to too many people. Uh, but it's enough of those little failures that are going to build and build. And, uh, I found that something as simple as like getting up as soon as the alarm goes off. That'll like, that, that has changed my day. Like getting up as soon as the alarm goes off, not allowing yourself to do it. Like I did it. I did it this morning. You know, I'm, I'm not without fault in my own routines. Uh, this morning, my alarm went off at four 30 and I was supposed to come in the garage and, and do some conditioning work. And when I woke up, I just felt like I got hit by a fucking truck and I just lay there. I was like, Nope, 
not today, and I got that extra 30 minutes of sleep, and I, it didn't even make a difference. I'm still, still tired, you know. Work still drug by, you know. It, would I really have been any worse off if I would have just got up, came in the garage, did some push-ups, some ab wheel, battle ropes, jump rope, whatever, you know, do a quick 20-minute circuit, go inside and eat breakfast, you know. You come in the garage, I don't know, man. And it doesn't even have to be working out. Like, let's say, like, you set a goal to uh, read a book, you know, and you decide, like, all right, I'm going to read five pages a day. You know, I guarantee at somewhere in your day, you can set aside a couple minutes to read five pages. Maybe you start off with that really strong, but then one night you're like, oh, you know, I'm really tired. I don't feel like reading tonight. And then put it off. You put it off again. You put it off again. Next thing you know, you haven't read in a month, you know. So um, while it is, it's, it's human to falter in your own personal goals, don't take it lightly. Don't beat yourself up about it, but don't take it lightly because you know that you're going to be better for whatever it is that you set your mind to. Because, you know, a year from now, are you really going to remember that day that you were really, really tired, even though you, you know, got up and got after it? Probably not. But it does help build that mentality. I think we should all strive for that. Uh, Speaking of reading, uh, I finished Brissinger, third book of The Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Paolini. Uh, Very, very good book, man. So the issue I have when I'm reading a series of books, uh, for example... In like 2016, like Christmas of 2016, I got a box set of the special edition Game of Thrones books. They were a suede and leather mixed cover. Like they were like, you know, Bible size. Uh, and they, man, they look really cool. And I, I saw them at Books a Million one day and I really wanted them. Uh, I, and I couldn't drop my wife enough hints. I was like, yeah, I gotta have Game of Thrones. So of course she got them for me for Christmas. And I spent six months reading only Game of Thrones. I blasted through all five books, which is, I mean, well over 5,000 pages. And it took me six months. By the time I got to A Dance with Dragons, I was like, yo, fuck, I am so sick of reading these damn books. I like I was reading it just to get it over with. Um like the the story the story was still interesting. I still wanted to read it, but at the same time I didn't want to read it. And I've I run into that same issue where if I read a series or even like the same genre back to back or if I read two really long books back to back, I uh lose my desire to read. Uh, so what I've had to do is like, for example, I finished Brissinger. So next I can't read another 800 page book because I just read an 800 page book. 
but I also can't read a fantasy book. So um, I picked up, uh, I got for Christmas, I've been wanting to read it since I was like 13, 14 years old, uh, the autobiography of Marilyn Manson. Holy shit. Did not realize that saying that name would bring so much controversy when I decided to read that book next. So I finished Brissinger on uh, like Wednesday or Thursday, I think. Was it? Yeah, something like that. Wednesday, it, was, it was Wednesday. I think I started reading it. I think I put it in my bag yesterday. So no, bullshit. No, because I'm on page 100. I didn't, get, I didn't get to page 100 in a day. So I finished Brissinger Wednesday. Put the book in my bag, put Marilyn Manson's autobiography in my bag Wednesday night, started it Thursday. And, um, I mean, shit, on Monday, earlier in the week, it had come out that, like, all these women are stepping forward that, you know, he raped them and mentally and physically abused them and basically like gave all these women Stockholm syndrome. And now like, there's another chick saying that like he has a rape room in his house. And, uh, I, I wish I, I almost, I don't know if I should feel bad about still wanting to read his book, but I don't because, uh, this, and this is going to sound fucked up and I don't want anyone to, to think that I'm, I'm condoning, any of these actions, if they're true, um, because that's it. It's not cool. But um, seeing the creative process of someone so sadistic, we we already knew that Manson was sadistic before all of this. We already knew he was a fucked up individual. You read the book, you realize that. He's kind of been a, a shitty human being since he was a kid. I'm, you know, I'm only 100 pages into it. I don't know how many pages there are in it. Probably like 300 maybe. Um, but like the dude used to like hit his mom. You know, he like split her mouth open with some glass figurine he threw at her and it shattered on her face. And like. And he says in there, you know, she became the target of my mental, you know, of, of my abuse, and I didn't feel bad for her. I'm like, man, like, so you're just, you're just fucked up, you know? And, but I think it's important to know the thought process. And, you know, and, 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 and in a messed up way, props to him for being so open, you know, about that sort of thing. Because that definitely like lowers my opinion of him, you know. Uh, he really kind of was just like uh, he was misguided, you know. He had kind of he had a fucked up childhood, um, but at some like there's a point where you have to reach a certain personal responsibility, and it kind of seems like he didn't ever take that step, you know. Of of uh, I'm not what I grew up as. Uh, But solid book, you know, I would recommend it. I, um, um, I would recommend the book 
to, I, I mean, anybody, you know, when I first, from the time I first picked it up in Books A Million when I was a teenager, like I always knew I wanted to read that book. And for some reason it just kind of left my mind. I think it made it to my Christmas list like twice. And the second time, you know, I finally got it. That's one thing I've learned to do is like, I don't, if, if you send me out to go buy a book, if I'm like, man, I need a new book to read. And I go to the bookstore, I'm going to spend easily, I mean, until someone pulls me away. Because I am so indecisive about a book purchase when I'm around other books versus like if I'm at my house and I hear uh, someone talk about a book. And I say, oh, I want to check that out. I'll I'll look it up, screenshot it, and then I know that that's what I have. So then what I've started doing is just at Christmas time, I just ask for books, and that's pretty much what I read for the year. Unless there's, um, like, if George R. R. Martin, like, I, I have all the books that I'm probably going to read for the year, but if for some miraculous, unknown, impossible reason, George R. R. Martin decided that he was going to release Winds of Winter, you know, book six of The Fire and Ice, um, I would, I would cancel whatever next book I'm going to read in anticipation to read Winds of Winter, you know, but it's only something like that. Like if, if, if an author that I really, uh, enjoy reading or a role model of mine releases a book, you know, I'll put down, I, I won't stop a book in the middle of reading it. I very rarely do I do that, uh. I'll finish up whatever I'm reading, and then the next book, like I'll I'll go grab that book. Um, yeah, I have I have stopped reading books in the middle of of reading them though, like because they just like were too difficult to get through. Like Tommy Knockers by Stephen King, I started reading that book because I really like aliens. I like anything with aliens in it. A movie, a book, if a song is about aliens, documentaries, all like any any media platform. If it's about aliens, I'll watch it because um, I like to see different depictions of aliens. Uh, I like the culture around the belief in aliens. Um, some of it. <laughs> but uh, where was I going with this? Fuck. Here I go. I lost my train of thought. So I'm, oh, yes. Okay. Tommy Knockers. I was reading Tommy Knockers and it was just like Stephen King must have been on a bunch of coke when he wrote that book because I I don't know if anyone else has read it but I cannot get past um the dude I forget the dude's name uh but his dreams like I'm all for like surrealism and interpretation and abstract thought, but like some of it's just too abstract and it kind of drags on. And I don't really like the way that Stephen King writes female characters. I think there's some people that have a knack for it. And I don't know if Stephen King in his earlier works was one of those guys. Uh, I also stopped reading... Closing time, and I forget who it was that wrote that, but it's the same guy that wrote Catch-22. Closing time is the sequel to that, 
Catch-22 took me, man, I think my dad got it for me when I was like 12, and I didn't read that book until I was probably 22, 23. But when I finally did, like, understand it and, like, I was able to get the uh, satire that it was, um, I was able to appreciate it more. And it, it is a really, it's a great book. So I was really excited to read Closing Time because I wanted to find out what Yossarian was, you know, doing after he left the military. Um, and that one just drag on, that, that, that drug on. I, I'll probably, I'll pick it back up eventually, but not anytime soon. I also stopped reading a book called How Hitler Could Have Won World War II. Um, because that one was pretty dry. It, I mean, it talked about all the flaws that he had, which is, which is interesting. Uh, and then I also stopped reading, uh, the invention of murder, which I will probably pick that one back up sooner rather than later. Um, because now that I have my CPAP and everything, I I'm able to stay awake more reading informational books, uh, that one, that one's interesting though. It's about um, how the popularization of murder and mayhem in uh, public media, like newspapers and stuff like that, inspired more people to murder because it was another way to become famous, uh, which I think is uh, very true. It's very true. Uh, the way that people yearn for crime and violence while is like ridiculous for a developed society uh, is very telling of our, of our primitive brains. I was just talking to a buddy at work today. Um, I was telling him how I wanted to go skydiving uh, and that I've heard that stuff like that, where your your brain thinks that you're gonna die, it resets your nervous system because primitive man is supposed to be in like daily situations where you have to, you know, fend off predators or you know you're fighting with other humans or you know something where your body is in that constant state of fight or flight. Or so not maybe not constant, but you do have like genuine fight or flight mode, and that's why like when you almost get in a car crash, you slam on the brakes, your heart rate shoots up, everything moves in slow motion, you have that adrenal dump, and then when your heart rate slows down, you calm down, you're like really good, everything's cool, you know you don't, you know not everything is as serious as it was before. Um, so I think that people being so obsessed with true crime is another way to maybe kind of explore that violence. You know, people 100% yearn for violence. That's it's no, it's no secret. Um, but there are some things that I, you know, I, I enjoy serial killers uh, learning, I enjoy learning about them, you know, I'll, and I'll watch like some documentaries. I don't really, I don't really favor documentaries. I'll listen to a podcast or read a book about a serial killer. But one of the ones that I could not get into and 
I couldn't stand that it was being talked about like it was like this pure entertainment was the one where that little boy got murdered, like essentially beat to death by his mom and stepdad. Um, I fucking, I could not deal with that one, man. I can't deal with anything with, with kids. Cause it's one of those things where like, I know that it happens. I know full well what goes on in this world and how evil people can be. And, and, it's not something that I choose to spend my time uh, expanding on, you know. So I hope that those motherfuckers rot in hell. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Because <laughs> I'm about to take a turn, about to take a turn onto a subject that I, I do not want to, I do not want to talk about. So, man, I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I was gonna end the podcast. I, I can't end like this though, man. I went and got myself worked up. Oh, um, do you guys see that? Uh, what is his name? Zack Snyder teased another Jared Leto Joker. That's annoying. It's really annoying because we had Joaquin Phoenix play the second best Joker ever, you know, and I've heard people criticize it. You know, they're like, oh, that's not a Joker movie. It's it's Joaquin Phoenix acting weird. But this is the Joker before he was the Joker. This is the Joker turning into the Joker. And Joaquin Phoenix did so good playing Arthur Fleck and watching the madness the the dissension into madness pure just disintegration of his facilities it was so good and now because it's justice league we're going to get another jared leto joker and that's just annoying man i there's there's better options out there there i don't know I, what I re- what I think everybody really wants is another damn Joker movie because they finish it off. You know he's standing on top of the cop car, and he's got his mob around him. You, you know you can tell he's about to become this this ringleader, and you know, then it ends. Then what? You know. Anyway, uh, I'm about done with my coffee. I'm running out of stuff to talk about. So uh, you guys go ahead and give the Instagram a follow at Night Coffee Pod. Send me an email, uh, nightcoffeepod at gmail.com. And look out for episode two of Send News uh, on the 17th. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening.